Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Haven't been putting a lot of work in either, to be honest. Um, I hadn't had a hit since Trent Bolt ripped my off pole out against New Zealand a week ago. So, um, yeah, I can't, can't lie to you and say I've been working on my batting this week either. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. That was Adam Zampa talking after Australia defeated England by 33 runs in the World Cup overnight and eliminated our old enemy from the tournament. I'm Menes. I'm joined by Fox Sports writer Jono Baruch. Jono, I've been saying for a long time that this is a player-run team and, uh, you know, kudos to them, they're doing great. But, you know, it doesn't fill me with great enthusiasm that uh, they're not batting at all in between games. Adam Zampa, they're admitting to not picking up the willow for a week. Who knows how long before that it had a net. A cause for concern? Well, firstly, it's great to be back, Menas. Um, great to be back after a win. I think last time <laughs> I was on, we'd, we'd just um, we'd just lost to England. So it's great to have the tables turned. Um, is it concerning? Well, Adam Zamp has been is the leading wicket taker in the tournament, and he's been producing some amazing performances with the ball. He had an amazing all round game against England, which I'm sure we're going to get into shortly. But does it worry me? Maybe, but if he's Doing what he's been doing with the ball, um, four wickets, four wickets, three wickets, and another three wickets against England, then if it's a formula that's working for him, then let it keep going. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm I'm kind of um I'm hamming it up a bit because I've been giving um the coaching staff and coming to hard time for a while on this podcast and saying things like they don't train, they don't do fielding practice. So when things like this pop up that prove my point that it is a player run team. Um, I accept that though, and you know they're a great bunch yeah. of guys. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you I guarantee if Justin Langer was the coach, that they would be batting uh, in the nets between games. Anyway, anyway, look, let's not get stuck in the mud because it's a great night. Uh, I mean, I mean, we're going to get into the details, and I want to talk about some of the the 
makeup of the team. But Johnny, all I can say is Johnny Bairstow getting out for a golden duck was like the best thing to happen this year. Like to just compound that misery onto him after his whining since that um, incident at Lords. Uh, just so good to see him out for a golden duck. Chef's kiss, wasn't it, to many Australians? And but yeah, especially the way it happened, a bit of a loosener down the leg side, and for him to feather it. Great take by Josh Inglis um, behind the stumps, um, putting in the massive full length dive there. Um, but it just really set it off, especially when you looked at the end of the batting innings. It looked as if Australia didn't really have enough runs. Um, and to get off to the perfect start there with um, first ball of the innings, um, a bit loose now. And like, you can say you feel a little bit stiff for Johnny Bairstow, but then you actually remember who you're dealing with and <laughs> it, yeah, everything's okay in the world. So it was the perfect uh, was, start to the um <laughs> It was so good. It was just seeing him trotting back, shaking his head. I mean, I really don't like the guy actually after uh, the, the, he's, histrionics at Lords. Um holds a grudge, or, doesn't he? Yes, and so do I. So um <laughs> it ain't going away. Um a couple of things. Firstly, I haven't done a podcast since Glenn Maxwell's unfortunate accident where he fell off a golf cart. And mm. I sort of I'm I'm struggling to decide if 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 I want to be angry about that because these things can happen, but um it, I don't think it's a good look for Glenn Maxwell that this has happened to him again, Jono. Yeah, the the rap sheet, if you can call it a rap sheet, starting to get quite long with, with these. Like, better, better in mind, it's only two, but you've got two incidents in the space of 12 months, really. He, like, broke his leg playing beer pong at a friend's birthday party, and now this falling off the back of a golf cart in, and concussing yourself in a week between um, World Cup games. So I, I think, first of all, you're thinking, why isn't he in the golf cart, um, especially when he's one of the most important players to this team in this World Cup campaign, like from when the team wasn't going so well and now when they are going well, he's still one of their best one of their best players and one of the most important players in all three facets of the game. So you're wondering why, A, he made the choice to hang off the back of the golf cart or B, his teammates weren't um in a state to say actually maxi you take a seat we we kind of need you um so it, is it is it concerning that he did it yeah absolutely do you want to take golf and leisure activities away from the players especially no, no, in a week between games absolutely not you need to give them some time to breathe and some time for them to be themselves and let their hair down a little bit, but not to the extent where you're going to go and actually do yourself a little bit of a mischief. So it's disappointing and concerning. Thankfully, it's after the fact now and he's been in the nets and he should be okay to go for the next game in a few days' time. But th these are the types of things, Menas, that can derail a campaign, especially one that has been gathering steam and momentum like exactly. the Australian campaign has had. So... That and the unfortunate situation with Mitchell Marsh, it definitely would have sent a few, um, would have been a few nervous times for that Australian team and support staff and Australian cricketing fans around the world. But thankfully, stresses were put to bed and Mitch Marsh will come back and it's looking like that Glenn Maxwell's mischief is only a minor one. So it should be okay from that perspective. Absolutely, and we beat England, and that's the main thing. But but also, I mean, yeah, these things. How many times are we going to get that, get that in on this show? 
a lot. But the, the thing is, the, these things can derail the campaign in ways like, for example, you know, I think it's important for Australia, if they can, to finish second or third. And, and look, you can probably assume India is going to finish first, although South Africa could just pip them. But it would be in Australia's best interest to avoid India in that semi final. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is you know, real merit in, you know, winning every game and having every player fit. And you're right, you know, Mitch Marsh, the news has come out that unfortunately his grandfather, Ross, passed away on Friday. That was why he had to leave the camp. So he will be heading back to India soon. Um, you know, all our sympathies with, with Mitch Marsh. But, you know, you put the two together, Maxwell's accident and Mitch Marsh's unfortunate news, it left Australia shorthanded against England. And in the end, the players that were there did the job. But as you say, it can um, send things um, mm. awry. Anyway, let's get into the game. Australia, England won the toss. They sent Australia into bat. And the two changes were Cameron Green and Marcus Stoinis came in for Mitch Marsh and Glenn Maxwell. Everyone moved up one place in the order. So Mitch Marsh came out of three. Smith, Labuschagne and Inglis all went up. Green went into six. So Australia batted first. And... We'll go through sort of the individual dismissals, but, John, I thought what characterised this innings for Australia was a lot of starts and quite a few sloppy shots. I thought Head, Warner, Smith, Inglis, um, Stoinis all played shots that they ended up getting themselves out when they were well set. Yeah, only I think if you... Look, look down the list and you look down the scores. Um, a lot of them got going except for maybe Josh Inglis. And then you'd have to say, men, is that a lot of them fell in the traditional traditional dismissals for those types of players. So Travis Head nicking off to slip, David Warner going mistiming a pull shot and going straight up and getting caught um caught on the ring. Um Steve Steve Smith, um Steve Smith getting out. Marcus Stoinis going for one big shot too many off the um, part-time spinner. Um, so they're all, I'd say, avoidable dismissals. Um, and you got sort of got, I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but you got to the end of the innings and you looked down the batting guard and I was like, gee, they, they left a few runs out there, didn't they? And it was almost like you wanted you wanted one of those in-batters to really get in and get large. You know, Cameron Green's dismissal one that um, really was like, well, there was just zero point to that for that time in the innings and all the way down you looked at you look you look through the list and it's just like well they all really got themselves out except for Marnus Labuschagne who got wrapped on the pads by a express ball from Mark Wood so you look at that and it's just like well again it's another it's another frustrating batting display but like and especially when you get popped popped into bat on a scorching hot day why England decided on another and absolutely scorching day to win the toss and send the opposition in we'll never know but worked out worked out in australia's favor yeah well maybe we'll get to do a deep dive with them and talk about their problems that'll be that'll be a that'll be a funny discussion but from from an australian but you're right about that you know you'd expect say smith gets to 44 labashane gets to 71 you know one of them to go on and maybe make 100 and anchor the innings and everyone else bats around them but they even those even those in the mid 40s so smith getting to 40 but Mm. not quite going on on with it stoinis getting another score in the 30s he hasn't made a score he hasn't made a score above 50 in ODI cricket for a good few years now, and he hasn't made a half century in a winning sco- in a winning team ever. Um, thank you to Nick Savage for that um, lovely um, stat there. So 
it's the failure to go on. Cameron Green is um is in a fight for his um international life at the moment, and he would have wanted to go out and make some big runs, not for the rest of this World Cup, but I, for. I thought his foot. He made what forty seven or fifty two. I thought that was quite a good innings from him because yeah, he, he batted, didn't look he batted good. really well until he decided to get he just got loose towards the end of it, and and it showed with his dismissal trying to um. Reverse sweep. I think it was um, David Willey he ended up getting bowled yeah. by and lo- losing his leg stump out of the ground. So, again, just a series of strange dismissals. But it kind of sums up a bit where the middle order is at at the moment. I know there Absolutely. was a bit of... Um, there was a bit of um, changing to the team with um, the two force changes going out. But it, it's kind of the one area you look down the list and it goes like, okay, the bowling's kind of sorting itself out. The top order's going well. Head's just made 100. David Warner's in form. There's a, there's a decision to be made between um, Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne, which I'm, which I'm sure we will discuss shortly. But there's just something in that middle order that's still a little bit shaky, which, okay, you've got your games to come are against... Um, Afghanistan and Bangladesh, and while Afghanistan are no slouches, um, it's you get afforded the opportunity now to have a look at a couple of different things. Well, so as well, also English. I feel like they've backed English in now at the last minute. So English is kind of finding his feet now at international level. He's never mm. had this kind of extended run in the middle order. So you've you've got that happening. Um, you're right. There's a few players trying to find their feet. Well, well oh, you mentioned Smith and Labuschagne. You know, what do you think of that combination in the middle order? You know, Smith made 44 off 52. Labuschagne 71 off 83. I mean, Manus played well. He started slowly but caught up. But you know, do you think they're too similar? And then, Jono, if you had to decide, who would you pick? Yeah, this is um this is one of two really tough decisions that the selectors are going to make. I think they're you, you I think you said it, men. Is they're exactly the same. They both work in the same eleven for Test cricket when you're you're trying to play the patient game and you're trying to bat time and go through the gears when you can. But you only really need one insurance policy in one day cricket. You want to go hard and you want to try accelerate the innings as quickly as you can you don't you don't necessarily have room in a limited overs innings for two insurance policies so if you have head and head and warner up the top mitch marsh at number three and you've got steve smith or manus labashane there for if you're two for 20 and you have to rebuild the innings um inside the opening couple of overs and the the theory there is that they can bat time they can accelerate when they need to and they can put up a decent score on the board whether it be high double figures or hopefully three figures. I think what it's going to come down to is because Maxwell's going to come back in, Mitch Marsh is going to come back in. So there's going to be two spots and one of them will be an all-rounder that goes out. And So I think Green will one, go out. I think Green will go out. Yeah, definitely. I think, Gre- I think Green will go out, but uh, Marcus Stoinis is a little bit too fragile at the moment. So that worries me. Um and that's why I'd probably go green over Stoinis, but Stoinis does have that experience. And I think the decision with um, Smith or Manus, I'm interested in your opinion here. Okay. I think on reputation, they'll pick Smith, but on form, they should pick Manus. It's an interesting one because I do think Manus looks in better touch than Smith at the moment. He, he just looks slightly... In better Nick, you know, so but I think you're right. I think look, Smith is you know by far the better 
50 mm. over play historically. He's he's proven himself in the big matches. Um, Steve Smith in in World Cup semifinals. So you know against India at the SCG, made that famous hundred in yep. 2015. So I think you've got to go with Smith. I think it's a, a very tough decision. But I also think if you if you get to the pick the wickets and the, the pitches look like they're not great for batting, then you've got to try and fit both in, like they did in the match before. And maybe um, you know Stoinis and Green don't play, and you just go with your your four quicks, Zampa. I, I, I think three quicks and Zampa. Sorry. No, go on. It's okay. I think the other thing, you just mentioned the wickets. The wickets are starting to really wear and get lower and slower. And particularly as the tournament goes later, and just even think back a week ago against New Zealand, Australia don't win that game if Marnus Labashain isn't fielding on the boundary. So mm. you'd need to pick players who have that whole package while Steve Smith can do some freakish things in the infield and in the slips and with some catching. Um Lava Shane's boundary fielding is arguably more valuable at the moment, given the way the tournament's trending. So do you look at, do you, do you box Steve Smith into an 11? They, they, they're going to pick Smith. The only, no, the, they're going to pick Smith. So the only way thing is, as I said, I think if, if they, they might not pick both all rounders. So Green yeah. and Stoinis both go out and then Mitch Marsh and, uh, Maxi come back in and Smith and Lasagna keep playing. Um, all right, I want to I keep going, though, on the wrap. So Australia at one stage were 247 for eight when Pat Cummins were out. So we discussed, you know, a lot of starts, everyone, you know, getting themselves out, um, only Labashane getting past 50. And then this is when Adam Zampa's uh, heroic match Begun. So I made fun of him at the top, but the, the true story is apparently he went up into the Himalayas after the the game against Dharam Masala and went and uh, you know wore a, a dress for a couple of days and wandered around relaxing because he's not into golf. So what happened was they all went off and played in the Jesse Ryder Cup, um, organised by Mitchell Stark, um, and that's what happened. They they all played thirty six holes in one day. And Does this have more made- um, more prestige than the Steely Cup, or is that still the number one golfing trophy in Australian cricket? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You'd have to. I would say the Jesse Ryder Cup probably slightly shades it, but Mitch Stark has a hand in both apparently. So so yes. so while the, all the guys were playing golf, Zampa was up in the Himalayas meditating and getting all zenned out, and then he comes out. And it's 247 for eight. Australia still had five and a bit overs to go. Mark Wood was bowling quick. I mean, I wouldn't want to go out there and face Wood having not batted in the nets for two months and Wood's bowling 150 clicks at you. And Zampa, out of nowhere, smashes 29 of 19 balls. He and uh, Mitchell Stark put on 38 runs. They get the score to 285 for nine. Before and then Stark takes the score to 286 before they're all out. But that was a crucial little partnership. I mean, mm-hmm. Australia wins by 33 runs in the end. Zampa, not known for his batting. Um, you know, it was, it was the start of a great night for him. It certainly was. Um, to quite a famous Sydney figure, Adam Zampa is a unique individual. So he does things his own way. And it was a little gem of, gem, gem of an innings. And for someone who as he said in his own words, hasn't picked up a bat um, in a while and had a had a practice hit. Well, if he can do that, he might he might just pick pick up and ask some for some more net time. But absolute crucial knock, particularly with um, overs to come in batting with Mitchell Stark. Um, 
you would have thought Mitchell Stark would have taken the lead role and yeah. tried to clear the boundary as many times as he could. But no, he just nurdled it around a little bit, some unconventional shots, um, some cracking shots as well, like some straight drives and cover drives to pierce the infield and go through all the way to the boundary. So as you said, crucial knock and started off a fantastic night for him. I think um, didn't concede a boundary in his um, 10 overs, an absolute brilliant spell of bowling. And then that magnificent catch in the end, um, one of his we'll finest it. performances in an Australian shirt. Well, he, yeah, he said it was his favorite ever ODI performance and uh, a well-deserved player of the match performance. Now just on the England bowlers, uh, Australia all out for 286 in the 50th over. David Willey, rejected by English cricket, 10 overs, 1 for 48. Chris Wokes is bouncing back, 9.3 overs, 4 for 54. And now this is where I think Mark Wood's performance kind of sums up England's whole campaign. 10 overs, 2 for 70. Hostile bowling at times. There was a great duel between he and Cameron Green. You see Cameron Green was hurried up by Mark Wood. But, you know, Mark Wood just looked upset. He looked frustrated. He he didn't mm. look to be enjoying his cricket at all. And it... You know, if, if someone like Mark Wood is looking like that, then it, it really um, reeks to me that that English side is just in complete, absolute freefall now. And, you know, um, karma will get you. Um, so, you know, that that was just incredible to watch. Um, but do you agree with me? Like Mark Wood, he just he didn't look to be happy. Um, he sort of sums up England's performance. Yeah, it, there's there's a bit in that I reckon. Just you you looked at Mark Wood during the Ashes, and he was always you know running in like a bit of a you know yeah smiling playful, and playful being a child idiot. smiling bowling rockets, um really yeah. being the energizer bunny in that England yeah, team holding hands but with Stokesy. Yeah, yeah, it just it you're right. It just he looked very jaded and like probably building building up out of steam and bowling quickly just because he was trying to like channel all his anger into bowling, which is fine. That's kind of what you want a fast bowler to do and just build up all that energy and fire and brimstone and really just let rip it at the bowling crease and bowl as fast as you can. So maybe that worked for him. But as you said, two for seven, he got the big wicket of Manus and then picked up green towards the end, but went around the park a little bit as well, which is always a threat when you're bowling 90 miles an hour and there's fielding restrictions. Um it's interesting, um, and whether or not, and this is a bit um, looking into the future a bit now for England, but whether or not they decide, well, look, we've only got um, less than a handful of games to go. Our tournament's cooked. Um, do we put you? Do we put Woody on ice now for the remainder of the tournament and bring in a Gus Atkinson or bring in a Brighton Cast and try and usher to. in that? Yeah, try usher to. in that next generation, particularly when you've got important tours coming up like they're back in india in um what is it now it's november they're back in india in two months and woody's gonna absolutely and woody's gonna start be building up to the next world cup so so also i guess um adil rashid bowled excellently 10 overs two for 38 and Always you know, that and, and that's yeah, absolutely and that's just one thing that you know you everyone can get as excited as they want about australia but as at some stage, they're probably going to come up against India's spinners. And there is nothing to suggest that Australia will go any better than they've gone in the past, which means India will smash us. Um, so that's just because the, the danger signs are there. All right. In a moment, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to review the England innings. 
But this episode of Cricket Unfiltered is proudly brought to you by NordVPN. That's right. If you need a VPN, follow the link in the show notes, which is nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered and it's a great time to use a vpn because you can protect all your private browsing information it's never been more important to protect all that private data so if you use a a vpn you protect all that private browsing data plus while the world cups on if you're traveling and you need to keep up with the action you can set your location to where you normally watch your cricket from and then you can use your normal sports viewing app and you never miss a ball of the cricket so this episode is brought to you by nordvpn.com you get a great offer if you follow the link in the show notes there's a free trial period so you can give it a test and if it's not for you you don't have to keep using it so i use it myself i use the nordvpn for all my browsing and surfing and all that stuff so head to nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered and we'll be back in a moment. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Menes. I'm with Jono from Fox Sports. And we're wrapping up the Australia versus England cricket. Um, So Australia make 286. And then, well, we mentioned at the top of the show, but Mitchell Stark gets Johnny Bairstow, first ball, ball just swinging down leg, clips it to English, who takes a great catch, and uh, England are one for none. And, again, that just sums up their whole campaign. It sums up Bairstow's year, really. Um, And, yeah, again, how good? How good? Can we... Yeah, it was good. It was it was it was funny to see uh, again as a as a batter. You're kind of just like, well, that's if you tickle one down the leg side. But then again, you see, you mm. see, you tickled it down the leg side. And as a as an Australian, you can't help but chuckle just a little bit. Um, no, I was really watching the all the Australian teams celebrate, and it was. I mean, but they, all the like the Australian team is saying, "Oh, it's in the past. It's in the past. We're moving on." I really think these teams don't like each other. Like, I think, you know, there's certain players that, you know, know each other and fine. You know, it's not like as toxic as maybe it's been in the past, but I think they kind of don't like each other after yeah, the Ashes. I, and there's, there's some sort of scabs there. Yeah, I think there's always been, uh, like, you, you'd you know better than me that I think over the, over the years, the camaraderie has, it, between the teams has, 
gotten better and everyone's mellowed a little bit just in terms of oh, just like, oh, he's English, I can't talk to him or he plays for that team. There's no way I'm going to chat mm-hmm. with him. So I think over the years that sort of mellowed. But I think there's genuine, like, there's still there's still some genuine tension between the sides and it's competitive. It's there's competitive spirit. But as you said, I think there's some, there's some players, particularly, I think mainly on the England camp that still haven't gotten over um, a particular stumping in the Asher series. And we're happy to bring it up and talk about it whenever they want to and express their um, feelings and disappointment. Whereas Australia wants to, um, Australia wants to move on, as much as they they have, and credit to them for not fanning the flames and but, but I think it up underneath and... it all, I think underneath it all, the Aussies think the English should be wankers. You know, they carry on that they're saving cricket, mm. and then you know one of them gets stumped, and they you know cry like babies about it. Um, so I, I just think you, you don't have to scratch too far. And I think like Pat yeah. Cummins, like I think Pat Cummins is pissed off with the way Stokes treated him at the end of the Ashes. Like he disrespected him. So um, mm. you know. Cummins swallowed his pride. He was willing to go in there and shake hands and, you know, have a beer. And, and they, you know, they turned their nose up in typical, you know, Pommy fashion. Yeah, well, there's so many different reports and stories going around <laughs> about what what happened at the end of that um, Asher series in regards to did they, they didn't meet up in the rooms, that they met up in a nightclub and whether or not it was um, planned or just a coincidence and he said this and she said that and who spoke to him and who spoke to him and there's so many different things going around. But I think for for want of a better term, I think the Australians are doing their best to try and move on, whereas Absolutely. the English should where whereas the English are trying to, you know, keep the keep the flames alive and still trying to, you know, build up their own motivation until whether when the next Asher series comes around. And every single time they face off against um face off against Australia and just go like, oh, this is for this is for the spirit of Johnny Besto because he was wrongly <laughs> given out and therefore we must avenge the wrong decision, even though it was fully within the laws of the game. Exactly. And, and did you see during the week when uh, one of the media asked Manus Labashain about the word basball being put in the English dictionary oh. and, and Manus went, that's garbage. That I, is garbage. It I is garbage. Manus, I think Manus is speaking from the whole, on behalf of the whole country there. Like just yes. to have a, have a word put in the dictionary, which isn't even a word. It's just no. made up and it's just like I, I – Fully agree with Manus. Um, can we get on to talking about Manus? Because I really want to talk about what happened next. Yes. So straight burns a review, I think, um, with Joe Root of Mitchell Stark. And then in the fifth over, ball goes, beats Joe Root, goes through to Josh Inglis, and there's a big appeal. Now, I'm going to own up to this. I'm going to own up to this. Manus is running in and he's begging them to review, and I'm shouting at the TV, do not listen to Manus. He's a lunatic. I'm ready I'm ready to tweet out something like, if Cummins listens to Manus here, he's, he's nuts because, you know, Manus thinks everything's out. He thinks when he's batting, he thinks everything's not out, and he reviews everything. And lo and behold, they review it, and there's just a spike little spike as the ball goes past Joe Root's bat and he's out. He's out for 13, England a two for 19. And Mitchell Stark has two power play wickets when he hasn't really been able to do that consistently in the tournament. But, I mean, that was incredible because, as I said, don't listen to Manus. Well, the first the first rule of 
taking a review should be do not listen to Marnus Labashain for all the reasons that you articulated there. He always thinks it's out, but came pounding in and is almost just like, oh, what are you doing? And as you said, they'd burnt a review um, still in the first over of the, in, of the inning. So they'd gotten Bairstow out first ball and then towards the end of the, the over, they went for a review, which was just going over the top of the stumps. So burnt a review there. And a few overs later, they took a review. Like, like fair enough. It's Joe Root. Mm. If, you, if you think you're gonna, if you think you're gonna get him, then you, you're probably well within your rights to use a review on him. But it's not like it. it a, a review for court behind is very different to a review by LBW. It's either it's either out or it's not. So either you get him and or you or it's not, and you lose the review. Right. Whereas if you're going up for a LBW review, you can be saved by. You can be saved by an umpire's call, which um, could, which means you can keep the review. So it was a very gutsy decision from Pat Cummins, and kudos to him for actually listening to Marnus, and kudos for Marnus for actually being <laughs> resolute. Um, I just hope someone tells him, and like I'm all, I'm all for Marnus for pulling out all the bells and whistles and all the pull down signs to be like I was right and like yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really hope someone. Not necessarily pulls him in. It's just like just reminds him of what his record is. When yeah, yeah. Pulls, pulls up his stats. You know, you yeah. you, well, you pull, won for pull. about eighty now. So <laughs> just oh, yeah, just, just remind him that look, mate, you might have got one, but there's still a bit of a history here, and we've still got a World Cup to win. So we'll listen to you this time, and maybe not all the time, but well done. We'll give you this one. Yeah, I think at some stage I heard some of the players talking about it afterwards that. Pat Cummins at one stage out there told Marnus to shut up because Marnus kept saying, oh, yeah, no, it's out, it's out, it's out. And Cummins just said, shut up, Marnus. And he started asking everybody else. So I think they did a bit of a straw poll out there. But anyway, the right result happened because yeah. Root was out. Uh, then we saw a nice little partnership between Dave Milan and, and Ben Stokes until uh, Milan was out for 50, an even 50 off 64 balls. Just, just a loose shot paddling one behind square off Cummins on the on the leg side. Um, Travis Head took the catch, and that made England three for 103. And then I thought that probably the turning point for me was this Joss Butler dismissal um, when he just hit one straight down the ground um, and he was caught um, by Cameron Green off the bowling of Adam Zampa for one. That made the score four for 106. And although Ben Stokes was still out there, I just thought the wheels were starting to fall off for England. And, you know, it began a fantastic spell of bowling for Adam Zampa. 10 overs, 3 for 21, you know, slightly damp ball. He didn't concede a boundary or a six in his whole spell and just a phenomenal performance from him through the middle overs. Um, you know, Stokes and Moe and Ali resurrected things, but he, they just couldn't do it quickly enough. Yeah, you sort of you had sort of had your moments during that partnership, whereas you, you kept on thinking back to Australia don't necessarily have that many runs, and although... England lost two early wickets. They do bat very deep and, you know, they've got Stokes in who's going to do his thing. Dawid Milan, although he hasn't had a brilliant World Cup, has had a great run over the last 12 months in 50-over cricket. Um, Joss Butler, you know exactly what he can produce and Moeen Ali can hit a ball absolutely anywhere and they bat all the way down to Chris Wokes and David Willey at um, um, eight and nine. So you knew that there was plenty of batting to come and they could all put together certain partnerships. But again, it comes down to Cummins as uh, not necessarily his intu intuition, 
but his knowing of which bowlers can come back and do a job and get a wicket for him and also bringing him back at the right time. So he brings Zampa back as um, Milan's just brought up his um, milestone there. He's formed a partnership with Stokes there. I think Milan and Stokes have put on about 80 since they were two for not many. And yeah, Stokes yeah. have been... And not Stokes, Milan had been playing that um almost like that reverse pull shot um very, very well. He'd gotten onto a couple. He got one off Mitchell Stark, and then he brings Zampa back, takes all the pace off the ball, flights it. He tries to go the big heave again and trying to almost break the back of the chase. Because I reckon if those two go on to post a three-figure um three fig three-figure partnership, and the same with um Stokes and Moe and Ali, when they're batting, like they shuffled the order a little bit um, after um, Josh Butler threw his wicket away and he's just had a torrid on this tournament, Butler. But well, that's, again, I mean, you, comes... look at, you look at Zampa, though. He got Stokes, yeah. Butler and Ali, three massive yeah. wickets. Three, three, three of the biggest wickets in that England lineup through yeah. the middle order. And, again, it comes back to Cummins's, um, Cummins's points of when he's going to bring Zampa back. So... He didn't have Maxwell to call upon in the power play at and to start bowling at the end of the power play and at the start of the middle overs. So he had to bring on Zampa early there. Couldn't necessarily find a breakthrough, but then brings him back at the start of the, the 20th over um, phase of the game, removes um, Milan and removes Butler. Then he goes off, go, goes, off for a, goes, off, goes out of the attack for a little bit, brings him back to come back and get Stokes just when he looks like he's going to go into... Um, Cummins got got Milan. Cummins got Milan. So Cummins Cummins brought himself back, got Milan, and then Zampa got Butler, and then he got Ali and Stokes pretty quickly. So at that stage, I mean, it was all over for England. The tail wagged a bit. Like Wokes got 32, Willie 15, Adil Rashid 20, and they got to 253. But we never really got nervous for Australia. Um, Josh Hazelwood got two wickets at the end. He got Willie and Adel Rashid. Um, he finished with two for 49. Cummins, two for 49 as well. Mitchell yeah. Stark, two for 66. Uh, and, you, you know, you mentioned that catch um, uh, of Adam Zampers off David Willie. I mean, okay, so he's he's, he's running in off the boundary. I, I, like, if you look at it, I think he got a bit lucky. Like, he, he just kind of, like, he looked like Phil Tufnell taking a catch. <laughs> Yeah, he he did well to get to it. He did really well to get to it and then control the ball on the way down. He's not necessarily known for his um outfielding and his catching Zampa. So no, he said that as well in the post yeah, no, press. No, he did he did quite well. Um, he's usually the one bowling and setting up outfield catches. So for him to be on the end of it, um, as I said up the top, it's one of his finest performances in an Australian shirt. Um, and. Very not, not close to being one of the most all-round performances ever, but in a World Cup, considering the circumstances, a game against England to be able to knock England out, um, it's right up there with some of the most impactful all-round performances. So, um, yeah, very, very especially, good night. Yeah, especially when we're undermanned as well. You know, no Maxwell, no 100%. Marsh. It was. It was it was really good stuff. And mm. um, so, you know, Australia knocking England out. They win by 33 runs, and then they go up to third on the ladder in the World Cup. And we'll, we'll get to the World Cup ladder because it took a bizarre t- twist on Saturday night. New Zealand mm. versus Pakistan is thrown open fourth place. It looked like 
the top four was kind of settled with New Zealand looking the favourites, but Pakistan have knocked them off in sensational fashion. New Zealand batted first, made six for 401. Rachin Ravindra, Ravindra made his third World Cup century. Um, um, Kane Williamson made 95. So you're thinking with 400 on the board, you're feeling pretty safe. <coughs> Pakistan surged to one for 200 in 25.3 overs with Fakazaman, 126 not out off 81 balls with 11 sixes. Bubba Azam was not out 66. And then the rain came and they go mm. off. They don't come back. I think they've gone off and come back briefly. And then Pakistan win on Duckworth Lewis Stern. Yeah. And, I mean, so just an incredible result. I don't have any problem with that. I mean, I think it won for 200 after 25 overs. Pakistan were clearly on top. Well, for starters, this is the most Pakistan result ever. Concede 400 and then somehow win it's the game. Win. It's, um, yeah. it's it's really, really funny. But uh, 100%, like I was um, following the scores, but I was just like, Pakistan are going to get the runs here. And then they go off a rain and the DLS comes out there 10 runs ahead. They managed to get on for about two or three overs. And then uh, Williamson, who was so good on return, like batted batted like an absolute dream mm. before he went out going for glory, trying trying to get his 100 and took a brilliant catch um, to remove um, Abdullah Shafiq. And then he, he throws the ball to um, Ish Sodi, who's come in cold. This is his first game of the tournament. It's, um, it's a wet ball. It's a wet outfield. And he ends up going for um, Fakir Zaman takes him for about twenty in <laughs> in one of his overs, which yeah. is um, it absolutely shuts the door, particularly with rain coming, and it just allows Pakistan to pull further ahead. So it's um, yeah, almost calamitous from New Zealand. They've now lost about three. They've now lost three games on the bounce, and. Four. Are in danger of losing their semi-final spot to um, Pakistan, who are surging. Afghanistan, Afghanistan. about yeah, so, yeah. It's, so, um, so the yeah, so the latter you got India on top, South Africa second, New Zealand, Australia third, and then you've got New Zealand, Pakistan, and Afghanistan all on eight points each. Afghanistan have two games left, so they have a great chance. If I mean, if they beat Australia, and don't know who their other opponent is, but if they win out, they'll they'll be in the semi-finals. Um, so, so yeah, it's wide open fourth spot. Australia are set to play Afghanistan on Tuesday night. So massive game for Afghanistan, massive game for Australia as well. But as I said, they're looking pretty good with their net run rate no matter what happens. Um, there's been a little bit of chatter because, you know, Australia um, cancelled a bilateral series against Afghanistan due to political reasons and some of the policies in Afghanistan around human rights issues and now there's some people saying that it's hypocritical that um, Afga Australia are going to play Afghanistan in the World Cup now listeners to this show will know I've had Craig Foster on and we've spoken about it and it's a very complex issue I personally don't think Australia should be playing Afghanistan in major world tournaments and and I think it should have been decided a long time ago um, but you know the CEO of Cricket Australia Nick Hockley says that they can clearly delineate between a bilateral series that they organised and a world event that Australia takes part in. And Nick Hockley said that when you take part in these events, you, you sign a contract saying you're going to play every every match. So if Australia were to breach that, there would be severe financial ramifications for Australia. You can guarantee that. So I, 
so I think it's been it's a it's a bit of a mess up by Australia. I think they should have said before the World Cup they weren't going to play the game, uh, but now I think it's too late to boycott it. Mm. Um, Jono, what's your what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I I I I'll be very careful with my words because I don't ha- I don't have as much knowledge on the situation as um you or um Craig Foster might have, but. We've we've been in this situation before, even in the last year in the World Cup in Australia, where Australia had cancelled the Test match and mm. and they were play they were drawn in the same group in Afghanistan and ended up playing that game at um Adelaide Oval against them, and then there was the cancelling of the tour to Afghanistan earlier this year and um, not too many weeks ago, man, it was looking likely that Australia would have had to um, play that game against Afghanistan and then likely win and win big in that game if they wanted to have any hope of qualifying for the semis. Now, while they still need to win the game on Tuesday night to solidify their spot in the semifinals. um, Look, it's, it's interesting. They're going to be called many different things for going ahead in the game, but I think you've articulated it well, as um, Nick Ockley said, as part of a, you can clearly delineate between a, a bilateral series and a world event like a world heat, like a World Cup or a Champions Trophy or something like that, whereas is, whereas you have to play the nations in the format that you're drawn against. Um, the bilateral series are done at the discretion of the cricketing boards and for, for Cricket Australia to make that stance that they've had against um, the Afghani government and the Taliban to not play cricket until they solve their issues in their home country um, is a perfectly fair stance. And, yeah, they're going to be called a lot of things for going ahead with the game on Tuesday night. But, again, that's the that's the decisions that they make. I, again, I don't know. I, I'll declare this. Yeah. I don't know all the ins and outs of the issues and the conversations that go around um so yeah it's it's going to be one to watch it will be a good game i mean the afghanistan team is very entertaining and they could certainly beat mm. australia and that would be something well, they've got that well, you mentioned, motivation you, now you mentioned the um you mentioned the spinners of india before and let's not forget um afghanistan spinners rashid khan mujib um Noor ahmed the Teenager who's previously been out here for BBL playing with the Renegades, mm. and he's had a pretty he's had a pretty good World Cup, taking a lots of wickets through the middle overs. So he's one that Australia is going to um, find a little bit difficult to get away. So it's going to be a tricky game. Absolutely. So can't wait for that. But you know, celebrations across Australia, Australia, the moral victors in all ways this year in the Ashes now on paper, having knocked England out of the World Cup. It's a great weekend, great great part of the World Cup. Jono, thanks for joining me. Um, where can the listeners follow you on Twitter to, to catch up with all your cricket takes? Yes, it's um, at Jono Baruch um, on Twitter or X, whatever, whatever mm. we're calling it these days. Um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok. It's um, all, all the same. I think it's Jono, at Jono B1995. So, Hit me up there for some cricket coverage. Um, it's going to be another good summer. Thanks for having Indeed. me again, man. It's always a pl- always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Definitely be getting you on over the summer. Great to talk cricket with you as always, listeners. Thanks for listening. We'll be back this week with more coverage. Um, I'll be commentating on New South Wales VWA at the Sydney Cricket Ground. So if you want to watch some Shield cricket, tune in. Um, but thanks everybody for listening and watching, and we'll be back. Soon.
This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.